Welcome to Use and Abuse the Music Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Kim. This is episode 53. Did you guess from the Facebook and Instagram posts earlier this week? If not, we will be talking about Christmas in June. Yes, I said Christmas in June. With our top 10 Christmas songs that we have to listen to during the Christmas season. Now, what I mean by we, I mean, I've got 10 I have to hear. Kim has 10 that she's got to hear. Are there most, are, are some of them the same? Yes, they are. So much for, she, she doesn't understand the whole point of making you wait to, for that part of the episode to find out. But anyways, what we decided to do was give everyone a break from the PMRC Senate hearing. So what are our top 10 Christmas songs? But before we give you our list, let's find out what is breaking sports news. Toronto Raptors win their first ever NBA title after game six of the NBA finals, taking the series four games to two. Raptors joined the NBA at the start of the 1995 and 96 season. Toronto was awarded an NBA franchise on November 4th, 1993 as the 28th NBA franchise. Kim said Toronto was going to win four games to three or, or a total of seven games. And I said Toronto was going to win four games to nil. So only four games. Kim got it. It only went four two, but Kim still got it. So good job. Thank you. Also, we'd like to say congratulations to the St. Louis Blues for winning their first ever Stanley Cup title in game seven over the Boston Bruins, four goals to one. The Blues joined the NHL in 1967. They were one of six teams added in the 1967 expansion. Blues also were the last of the six teams added that year. The Blues managed to stand out in the inferior Western Division, capitalizing on a playoff format that required an expansion team to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. The Blues reached the Stanley Cup Finals in each of its first three seasons, though they were swept first by the Montreal Canadiens in 1968 and 69, then swept by the Boston Bruins in 1970. Yes, the same Boston Bruins, not the same team, obviously, but the same, yeah, well, not the same players. How's that? That they just beat, but they did play Boston in 49 years ago when they were swept, and now they beat them. So we want to say congratulations to the St. Louis Blues and the Toronto Raptors for winning your first ever championships. This day in music history, today is June 14th, and in 1969, John Lennon and Yoko Ono appear on David Frost's British TV show. Mick Taylor was introduced as the new guitarist for the Rolling Stones. Special guests on the second edition of the Johnny Cash ABC television music variety show included Gordon Lightfoot, Dan Blocker, Joey Scaberi, the Carter family, and the Statler brothers. And in 1979, Little Feet announced their breakup. A No Nukes concert took place at the Hollywood, at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, California. The acts included Bruce Springsteen, Bonnie Raitt, Jackson Brown, Stephen Stills, and more. And in 1989, Carol King gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And in 1999, rapper Eminem marries Kimberly Ann Scott for the first time. Happy birthday to today's birthdays are 1909. Burl Ives is born in Jasper County, Illinois, passed away in 1995. And in 1949, Alan White, drummer of Yes, is born in Fairy Hill County, Durham, England. Also, Jim Lee, multi-instrumentalist of Slade, is born in Wolverhampton, Staffordshire, England. And in music industry people lost today. People we lost today are 1969 blues singer Wynoni Harris, known for ribald tunes like I Like My Baby's Pudding, dies of it's, it's, esophageal. Thank you. Cancer at age 53. And in 1989, Pete DeFredis, drummer of Echo and the Bunnymen, dies in a motorcycle accident en route to Liverpool from London. At age 27, and in 2009, Bob Bogle, 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 lead guitarist, bassist for the Ventures, dies of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 75. 
Last week in music news. June 6th, Courtney Love slams the dirt. But Tommy Lee fires back. In a recent celebrity Q&A with Interview Magazine, Love recalled watching the movie with two friends during a body relaxation session. And I quote, We watched the dumbest Netflix film ever called The Dirt. It's so stupid and vile about women and just effing dumb. It was super fun to groan together. We had Jasmine T. We all got our bodies worked on and watched this white rapper named Machine Gun Kelly. And we just made jokes. I was like, when's Ozzy going to snort the ant? Then, within seconds, he snorted the ant. Then the Nikki Six character was like, I have a new girlfriend. She's sweet. She's wonderful. I was like, and her name is Heroin. Two seconds later, her name is Heroin. I was killing it. End quote. Love tweeted a link to the interview, which led to a response from Lee, who wrote, and I quote, Hey, at Courtney. When's your movie coming out? Oh, wait, never. End quote. The Dirt premiered on Netflix in March ahead of its arrival. Bassist Nikki Six said that the story represented a warning about the way the band had lived in their earlier years. And I quote, it's been over 30 years since I was a heroin addict. That time was unbelievable. It was like more is more and we just kind of lived that life. But there are repercussions from that. That, I think, might be the cautionary tale in the movie. The movie really does a great job of giving each individual band member's backstory so you sort of understand. Every time we did something wrong, we got, like, a cookie for it. It was like, hey, good job. You roll. You guys roll the car. Your album sales went up. You just threw more televisions out the window. As a young kid, you're like, this is great. End quote. He reported, this story was written by Martin Kelly for UltimateClassicRock.com. And July 7th. July 7th. I'm sorry, June 7th. Garth Brook hints at bringing stadium tour to Nashville's Nissan Stadium. June 8th, Genesis colleagues Phil Collins and Mike Rutherford appeared on stage together for the first time since the band's last show in 2007 to perform their track, Follow You, Follow Me. The unannounced event took place in Germany and Denmark on Collins' current tour on which Rutherford's Mike and the Mechanics have been acting as support band. Sidebar real quick. Sidebar. Station break. Why? I gotta really get this right. You know what? Uh. Anyways, it's kind of ironic because when Phil Collins went on this, went solo, Mike Rutherford made the band Mike and the Mechanics. Uh-huh. And they hardly, and then they reformed back together with Genesis. Now they're actually touring together as, you know, Phil Collins solo with Mike, Mike and the Mechanics opening up. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that anyway. is. That is right. awesome. No, that's station break. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. June 9th, Elton John's Rocket Man passes $100 million. Box office mark. June 10th. That was a bad attempt at friggin' Dr. Evil. $100 million. Yeah, I can't do it. Hopefully... You won't even hear that. Hopefully, it'll be an added thing. Hopefully. 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 All right, anyways. June 10th, the attempt to pull off a concert for Woodstock's 50th anniversary has just hit another major hurdle. According to TMZ, the Watkins Glen International Raceway, where the concert was set to be held this, or held, has now terminated its contract with the festival. The news leaves Woodstock 50 without a home. According to TMZ, the racetrack cited their contract with Woodstock 50 as a reason for scrapping their permit. June 11th, earlier today, June 11th, the New York Times presented, and I quote, the day the music burned, end quote. A new report on the massive 2008 fire at Universal Studios Hollywood. The story revealed that around 500,000 song titles were lost amidst the blaze, including master recordings from artists such as Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, Soundgarden, and more. 90s grunge group Hole, led by Courtney Love, apparently had no idea that they were among the artists whose masters were destroyed, according to Pitchfork. The publication reached out to Hole 
for comment on the matter, in which the representative for the band replied that they were not, and I quote, aware until the morning, end quote. REM were another victim of the fire and have stated that they are trying to find out what happened, and I quote, the effect on the band's music, if any, end quote. The original report from 2009 underestimated the extent of the damage caused by the fires. By far, it was totaled that, and I quote, assets destroyed, end quote, were 118,230, with a monetary estimate of $150 million in losses. It's not entirely clear whether the master's were unreleased files or just copies. But the New York Times article says many of the masters were, and I quote, super deep catalog, end quote. Decades of music from B.B. King to Nine Inch Nails that could have eventually been released may be gone. Story by Lauren Schaffner for Loudwire.com. All right, station break real quick. So now there's been a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of uproar. I mean, I've, I've seen uh, different posts on Facebook and Twitter, you know, where people were saying, oh my gosh, you know, it, so, I mean, first of all, this one thing the story proves is that record companies don't care. They don't care about the masters. They don't care about stuff like that because they keep them in places where if there was a fire, it can burn them and destroy them. Okay. However, now, the thing it doesn't tell us is, first of all, these are the masters. This is what's used to make your uh, vinyl records, your, um, or to make the, like the vinyl record to make the plate that actually creates the, you know, that presses the vinyl. But it's also what they use to make your cassette tapes and your CDs. The thing is, is a lot of times someone in the band or the artist or the producer of those albums keep the original tapes. Not the original master tape, but the original tapes. So that'd be the, the tapes that, you know, the, the tapes that might have the guitar part, the guitar and senior on them, or, or, and the bass and the drum. So that stuff could be still separated. Where, if someone got their hands on those, then they, then they could do like an updated, remastered, what they call a remastered version, where you take the master tapes, and you, or where you take those, those put them back together and re and remaster it with today's equipment. That's so, true. You could. So, I mean, it, it's not saying whether or not. So to sit here and say a bunch of stuff is lost. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's not, you know, maybe when they come down to it, maybe, maybe you'll find out that no, it was just the master tapes that were lost, not the actual uh, stuff that was recorded that day. A good movie or a good video to watch, if you ever come across it, it came out, gosh, it came out on VHS back in the day, um, was, is called Metallica, a year, year and a half of, or yeah, a year and a half of In the Life. And it literally follows Metallica through the recording process of what became the Black Album. Um, and, and they start from the, record, the beginning of the recording process all the way through the mastering, where, you know, Garth, or not Garth, where like Lars and James would go in with the engineer and they'd be piecing things together, turning pieces, you know, turn this down, turn that up, do different stuff to make that final, what would be the final mix. Okay. okay. So, and that's where, and, but the original tapes go somewhere else. You know, a lot of times, you know, like Motley Crue, they own their original masters, but do they own the original tapes? Yeah, that's true. You know, does Nikki own, does Nikki, you know, have somewhere the original you know tapes of well obviously he doesn't have the original tapes of uh two pass for love because that was brought i mean even electra didn't have the original masters of that no they had the masters that they screwed up yeah that's true anyway so i just want to kind of get that out there that you know it, it may be the masters that were used to make the albums you know that we the albums the album version that we bought but the actual uh recordings that were used in the studio before they went to the mastering process, may still be out there and, and protected. That's true. But, and hopefully it's a wake-up call for everyone over in Hollywood 
or New York or wherever, you know, a record company is to maybe start getting all these master tapes. And I'm not, and it wasn't just Matt. I mean, it wasn't just music was lost that day. There was movies. I didn't quite catch what movies were lost, but there was like old movies lost too. Yeah, there was. You know, so, I mean, we're, we're not talking just, you know, it's not just music that was lost. There was some films that were lost. Yeah, there was. You know, there was original pressings or not original press, but original master, you know, final, well, what do they call that in film? Final cuts. Final cuts. Okay, there you go. You know, so how and how how many of those were lost? Yeah, you know? exactly. But anyways, let's get back to what do you call it? Now back to a regularly scheduled program. June twelfth, Charles Estin's Light the Summer Night Benefit Concert raises twenty seven thousand dollars for leukemia's research. Good job, Charles. Wow, what a week it has been for music news. Also, we'll return next week with music purchases. However, you can go to our YouTube channel and see the newest video uploaded on June 12th, 2019. Station break. Go ahead. So, real quick, I just want to point out that, yes, there was a new video uploaded on June 12th. Um, I'm hoping that we will have new videos starting to come up every Tuesday. Um, again, like we, like we've stated, there's going to be, there's got to, it's going to be at least 16 to 18 videos that one, I've got a bunch of them. I still got to record, but I plan on like 16, 18 weeks worth of videos to go up. Okay. So regardless of what we say that week on the purchase, there might be different versions or different albums being shown that week on YouTube. That's true. So yeah. you may want to you know, be checking out YouTube and going, oh, wow, look, they, this isn't the one they talked about. You know, they talked about this on the podcast, but here's this different video. Anyways, again, you can go to our YouTube channel, um, Used Abuse Pod, and find all of our newest. Make sure you subscribe, click the notification button. Um, if you like the videos, give it a big thumbs up. But, you know, if you want to make sure you're notified when these videos are coming out, you know, hit subscribe and hit the little bell that will that's over there to be notified when we do upload a new video. And also it will, uh, will notify you when we go live. Yes, it will. All right. Now back to our regularly scheduled program, but let's get on to our music, our main topic today. <laughs> and our main topic today is our top 10 Christmas songs. Yes. Now these, so, these are songs that, we, we have, have to. to listen to no matter what. No, I'll every tell you right now, my, my 10 songs I have, if I don't, I mean, I, at some point over even last, last Christmas, you know, leading up to Christmas, even like when you were gone or like when we were separated there for a while, I listened to most of these songs. Yeah. And then most of them got listened to the minute I got home too. Yes, they did. So, and then this year's getting even better because now, you know, we got, this, we got a stereo system. We got, we've got CD player. We've got tape decks. We got the record player. So now we can really listen to some of these. Yes, we can. Anyway, so what we're going to do is literally we're going to go from 10 to 1. Um, I will, I'll do my number 10. Kim will give her number 10, then she'll give number 9. Then I'll give my number 9, then my number 8, so on and so forth, okay? Sounds good. All right, so my number 10 is Jingle Bells. Basic song, dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Over the fields we go, lapping all the way. Anyways, it's one of those songs, I've heard it for a long time. Uh, it reminds, the re reason why I like, I love this song is because it, it, it can be an interactive song, even with family members around Christmas time, because if you got like uh, a thing with bells on it, you somebody could be shaking it during the, the chorus. Um, I remember seeing this on a 4H, a 4H uh, hayride type thing where we were loaded up on a trailer with hay bells and we went around town being pulled by a tractor. Or I think, no, actually, it was a pickup truck that was pulled. But we were decked out, bundled up back then. And we sung a bunch of Christmas songs back then. Hymns and also regular songs. Okay. What is your number 10? My number 10 is Frosty the Snowman. Frosty. Yes. Fro Snowball. Yes, it does. It reminds me of being a child. And going out in the snow and building this snowman, putting him in, putting eyes on him, a nose on him, if he had it, a uh, scarf and a hat, and just sitting there admiring it until the sun came out and melted the snowman. Okay. What's your number nine? 
my number nine is Winter Wonderland. And not and not only did I sing this while I was in the with was with was in choir, but I also listened to it because I like it. It's one of those songs that just has that little bit of upbeat to get you into the Christmas season. Station break. Okay. So as most of you, our listeners, know, we live in Arizona year-round. And I'm really curious here. I mean, I know my first song had dashing through the snow in it. Okay, I got that. But your very first song is Frosty Snowman. Then it's Winter Wonderland. Yet you live in Arizona year-round where there's not, I mean, we live in the southern regions of Arizona where we don't see snow. I think last time they saw snow here was 1908. So, again, that's not Frosty the Sandman or I don't know how the heck, uh, Winter Sandcastle Building. So, so what you're saying is really we should be living up north where it snows. Oh, heck no. Why? I don't like the snow anymore. I have not liked the snow for quite a while now, and I'm just happy as a clam living here in Arizona with no snow. Happy as a clam? Yes. I don't think I've ever... Okay, those of you that listen to this show, I want I want people to... When, it, when, I, when, when I put this out on Facebook and whatnot and Instagram, Twitter... Tell me if you have heard that saying before. Happy as a clam? Yes. Back to our regular schedule program after that. All right. My number nine is Joy to the World. And obviously, this is it's a hymn. Um, there's been other versions of it, but I mean, I really just I just love this song, you know. And and the reason why I put him down was because I didn't want people getting confused with the joy of the world by Nazareth. Oh, okay. Or, yeah, or, yeah, Jeremiah, no, uh, that's Jeremiah. Is that the right one? Joy to the world, all the boys and girls, that, that, okay? Okay. So, I think it is Jeremiah. I think they do say Jeremiah was a bullfrog in that. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and listen to that song. Anyways, they want anybody confused with the, with the Nazareth song because it is a music podcast. And some of you might think I'm actually not speaking of, even though I say Christmas, we did say top tankers. They might think we're actually talking about uh, hymns. Yeah. Anyway, so joy to the world, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Letter, that's the song I'm talking about. Anyways, my number eight, right? My turn? Yeah. Yes, your turn. My number eight is Silent Night. Now, again, it could probably be higher on my list, but it's not. So. Again, I just, it's not that, it's, yeah, it, it's where it's at. It's, I just love the song. It, it is a hymn. I think it really describes the reason for the, you know, besides Joy of the World, it does, does kind of, you know, give us the reason for the season. Yes, it actually does. What's your number eight? My number eight is Up on the Housetop, which is another childhood favorite that I have to listen to, and it's one that is very rarely sung nowadays by anybody. It, and it's just one that I did thoroughly enjoy at the time. And that is my number eight. Okay. What, um, that, that what your is number. your... Oh, and my number seven is... Yeah, because yeah, we just keep... Yeah. Twelve Days of Christmas. Now, this is the original Twelve Days of Christmas. And it is partridge in the pear tree. Yeah, the partridge in the pear tree. The anyway, that list right there. And what it is is it's something that you can not only sing with the different, uh, like partridge, etc., but it's also something you can do twelve days before Christmas. You can do it with cookies by giving like cookies to your neighbor, or if you have small children or a family. You can do it from a Christmas tree, too. You can say you can do the 12 days of Christmas and each time un, un, uh, uncover the 12 days of Christmas until the very last day. Okay, that's kind of cool. All right, my number seven is White Christmas, and it has to be done by Bing Crosby. Now, 
before I had my second marriage and unfortunately my she passed away in 2014 um I had never actually heard of Bing Crosby's version and so I'd heard it before I think by actually by Elvis before I think it's on his uh Christmas album but uh once I heard it by Bing on that movie she had me watch White Christmas with her and I mean so we both watch it today yeah we do every Christmas but when I heard Bean seen it, you know, it was just like, oh, my gosh, he's got that deep voice. I'm dreaming of a, you know, I mean, I loved, I love, especially in uh, singing, I love the deep voice. You know, Richard Serban from Oak Ridge Boys is another one. Randy Travis is another one. Yeah. You know, um, even Sully um, from Godsmack on Voodoo. Yo, I mean, I love the way he sings on that song. Okay. But anyways, yeah, so it's White Christmas for me by Bing Bing Crosby. And my number six, my number six is... Woo! Somebody done been to the Walmart. Man, that's just the stuff I got for Christmas. Well, you cleaned up, what'd you get? Five flannel shirts. Four big mud tires, three shotgun shells, two hunting dogs, and some parts to a Mustang GT. Defo, you got Jeff first 12 days to Christmas. I know that. I got it covered. Look over in the corner. That's yours, too? Yeah, 12 pack of Bud, 11 wrestling tickets, 10 of Copenhagen, 9 years probation, 8 table dancers, 7 packs of Red Man, 6 cans of Spam. My tires, three shotgun shells, two hunting dogs, and some parts to a Mustang GT. Man, these ain't normal Christmas presents. No, oh, they're redneck gifts. Redneck gifts? Yeah, you know, like if you buy your wife earrings that double as fishing lures, or if you can... All right, as you can tell right there, that was Jeff Foxworthy with his redneck 12 days of Christmas. Ever since I heard that, when I got his... Uh, Crank it up, the music album, I think it was in '96. I I just fell in love with that song. And after that, I, I couldn't do um, any of the, yeah, it was '96. I couldn't do any of the, I couldn't do 12 Days of Christmas normal anymore. I had to do it the redneck way. You can laugh. I mean, you don't have to be quiet. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I like that, that particular song by Jeff Foxworthy, too. Right, so. like uh, earrings that double as fishing lures. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, what's your number six? My number six is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Again, childhood favorite. Again, it's just one of those fun songs that just describes Christmas time. Right, and then plus you get the Rankin and Bass version yeah. of yeah you know of the movie with uh who sings it on that one fred astaire yeah so i mean you know i mean you got bro lives on Ro- rudolph but you got fred astaire on santa claus singing santa you know doing the parts but the, the, the he's a snowman i mean not snowman he's a um the male guy yeah the mailman uh-huh right yeah yeah but yeah santa that's a good song too santa claus is coming to town all right so what is your number five my number five we're halfway there Yes, we are. My number five is White Christmas by Bing Crosby. And yes, it's I have see I have heard various other versions, but nobody can match the Bing Crosby version of White Christmas. True. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I don't either. Anyway, well, my number five is, well, we just got to- done talking about ranking the bass. We're going to go right back to it. But for me, it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, the cool thing, like, with this song is, if you think back to music class and stuff in, in grade school, you know, at least in our generation, you know, it was like, you know, when we'd seen it, you know, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, he had a very shiny nose, like a light bulb. Yeah. You know, they other, uh, ever saw it, they used to say it glows like a light bulb. Um, then, like, when you get to the part with reindeer games, you know, it would be like Monopoly. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And... Um, yeah, so we would just add, we had these, and those weren't in the song. It was just stuff that we added in. Yeah, so it was. it kind of made it fun, but I mean, I still love the song. I mean, the song's probably one of my favorite, you know, it, well, I mean, obviously it's number five on my list. So, you know, that's where that's at. Now, my number four 
now we're getting now we're getting down the nitty gritty here. Yes, we are. Number four, man, I I just love this version of this song, and it's Wizards in Winter by Trans Siberian Orchestra. Now I know it's technically not a Christmas song, but it is just a killer friggin' track. No lyrics. It's all instrumental, and it it's. I in in my book it's become synonymous with Christmas. It has because any because there are some people that have these fantastic light shows around Christmas that does oh, use gosh, right yeah that does use the Wizards in Winter by TSO. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Wizards in Winter is is very popular in that. And then when it comes, I mean, and then I mean, luckily I, I got to see them live in 2012, and uh, matter of fact, with your brother, and uh, you know, I mean, geez, Louise, man. They, I mean, the the stage show they put on was crazy, and then of course they used those friggin' hydraulic lifts that took two members out over the friggin' audience, which then Motley Crue used the same ones on the end, and then now Kiss is using on their end of the road tour. So really, Nikki and Tommy, mainly Nikki Six, you guys stole it from TSO. Sorry. All right, uh, what's your number four? My number four is Snoopy's Christmas. Again, it's a childhood favorite. I have not been able to hear it since my teenage years, but it's one that is. Right. Cause I, I mean, real quick, I mean, I think this is probably one, one of the only ones that are on this list that have not, you haven't been able to hear. I mean, we say these are the ones we have to hear. So you've not been able to hear this for a long time. Yeah, that is true. And. But the co- but my problem is, is is the copy we have, is it the original one you heard? Because the original was, there's two different covers to this album. There's the one, there's one cover which was the, with the Royal Guardsman that did it. And then there's the other one that we have, that's the Peppermint Candy Kids. Yeah. So do you know which one it is that you heard? I would have to get with mom. I'd have to get with mom and see if she could get me the record and show me. Okay. So, anyways, but anyways, you can have a chance to hopefully hear that song this year. Yes, I am so looking forward to it. <laughs> now, is it gonna be one of those things where you listen to it? You, you know, I mean, well, I guess, I guess that's you know, we can side, we can uh, station break real quick because you know, we got three to go after this. Real quick, where do you consider? I mean, because everyone's different, you know. Some people believe you don't listen to Christmas music until the week leading up to Christmas or even Christmas Eve. What say you, Kimberly? I usually listen to Christmas music as soon as Thanksgiving's over. So Black Friday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much, I mean, to me, you know, that's when Christmas starts. Yeah, it is. You know, um, I mean, if I had, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I was to make it, I would, I mean, worst or the longest I would say would be. Uh, uh, December 1st would be the latest in my book. Yeah, that's the latest I would start listening to it, too. But I, don't, I really think, you know, once Black Friday hits, which is the day after Thanksgiving here in the United States, um, once that day hits, you know, it's game on Christmas music. It is. It really is. All right. So we're getting down to the top three. What could they be? And it's ironic that the third one, now, this didn't, I, we did our list separately. And we didn't, we didn't even converse with each other what our list was going to be. But I, ironically, this one, well, I've only heard it by one person. I've only heard it by Elvis Presley. How about you? Yeah, I've heard it by other artists, but the Elvis Presley one is the one that I always liked. Okay. All right, well, let's see if we can do this. You know, at the end of the show, we usually hit and, the, and keep the music playing together. So let's see if we can do this one. Um, this is... A song by Elvis Presley, and it is Blue, Blue Christmas. Christmas. We're a little off, but oh well. Anyway, so I've heard this. I heard this song in the early '80s when I bought when I, I didn't buy when I got my very first cassette. My first and the first cassette player I ever had was mono. Only had one speaker, but I was given I was gifted this cassette tape for a Christmas gift. I think it was actually in my stocking. So obviously Santa knows I loved loved Elvis, so he brought it to me. Um. Uh, however, you know, so this is the only version I ever heard was his version of this. And for the longest time, it was his version of White Christmas I had heard Uh forever. Okay. So for me, I've been listening to this since I would say at least 81, 82. Yeah. You know, so what about you? 
I actually had, I actually was like, you actually grew up on it because um, I had an aunt that not only was she into oh, yeah. Elvis, I mean, she was, she was totally huge. huge into Elvis, but um, m- mom also on some of her Christmas records that she had, one of them was Elvis and it was, and we listened to Blue Christmas by him. Yeah, it was a very good song. All right, so well, we did that one together, so let's go ahead and let you do your number two. All right, my number two is All O Come All Ye Faithful. Now, again, this was a song that not only did I sing caroling with my family as a child, also sung at church, but it was one that was pretty much a staple for four years that I was also in school choir. So you know, you I kind of like the the music right. to it. Oh, come, are you faithful? Anyways, um, honestly, you know who made, and this is no joke, um, they released, I think it was 2005 they released this album, but 2005, oh my goodness, Twisted Sister come out with their Christmas album, Twist, a Twisted Christmas, and they had their version of Oh Come, All Ye Faithful with the guitar solo mimic part of the guitar solo from We're Not Gonna Take It. So it was, yeah, I end up liking their version of that song. Yeah, I did too, because you did play it for me, and I like their version of yep. Oh Come All Ye Faithful. All right, number two, my number two, my number two, my second one I have to listen to uh, is the reason behind this is the Christian heavy, hard rock band Striper with Winter Wonderland. Now, again, they're, they're, the songs, like Kim said earlier, is just one of those songs where you you – you know, it just gets you into the into the spirit of maybe not the spirit of the reason for the season, but it gets you into the, into the into that winter time spirit in a way. You know what I mean? Mainly into that Christmas spirit, because I mean, as far as most of us are concerned, Christmas, the Christmas season is winter, and once it's over with, we're done with snow. You're done when you live up north. You're done with the cold. You're done with the snow. You're ready for it to get hot again. Yes, you are. Now, we 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 kind of you know, we kind of take that gap of saying okay from things so pretty much from think from black friday you know day after thanksgiving to december 25th it could snow exactly and then december 26th we want that snow to be gone exactly we're, we're really i mean i mean and there's a few people i mean i'm not saying everybody's like that but that's pretty much how i was especially once i became an adult dude same they here like eating up with this crap yeah I'm, same here i'm done with the cold i'm done with the snow i'm done with the ice yeah let it get warm again you know yeah and, but Anyways, how I got even here to this version was it's actually on it was actually on a twelve uh, inch single. Um, there was a guy that was a the head or part of our uh, like the advisors for our youth group in the Baptist Church. Um, and I want to say probably my sophomore sophomore between you know, my sophomore and junior year. Anyway, he he had a bunch of LPs that he wasn't playing no more, and he thought I'd like them, so he gave me all these. Uh, LPs, which I mean, there were some bands under like Lewis and Clark, uh, 12 inch single from uh, uh, Billy Idol, uh, 12 inch single of Jethro Toll, which again, we won't start me on that Jethro Toll problem. Um, and then there's a few, I mean, there's a few other ones I don't remember, I won't rot, but this one here was Striper Reason for the Season, and on it, it, it on one side, you had like an extended version of the song Reason for the Season, which is off their album, The Yellow and Black Attack, which is their first album. And then on the back side, or side two, you had uh, uh, Winter Winterland, or you had Reason for the Season, either the original version off the album or a single version, a shorter version. And then you had Winter Wonderland. So, and the first time I heard Winter Wonderland, that was, that was it. That's all I listened to off that record. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I stopped listening to the song Reason for the Season. Okay. I just went straight to uh, Winter Wonderland. It wasn't because I didn't like the other one. I just like Winter Wonderland that much. Well, yeah. And it was the first time I heard anybody do, you know, any hard rock or heavy metal band do a Christmas song. You know, country artists release Christmas albums. Pop artists release country albums or Christmas albums. And, you know, even rock guys release Christmas albums. Um, like, I forgot to mention on yours when you had Santa Claus is Coming to the Town. You know, Bruce Springsteen did a really good version of it. I heard that one the first time on the radio when I was visiting my grandparents during the Christmas season in Paya, Idaho, 
which they they got a rock station out of Boise, Boise, and um, I don't know why. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is my grandparents lived there for years, and I still, I still, I, don't know, I keep, I keep screwing up the name, and it sucks because it's like when everybody says Nevada, that pisses pisses me off. Well, yeah. You know? Um, I mean, usually when I when people start doing that crap, I just start going, okay, Illinois. Yeah. Anyways, off that little rant. Yes. <laughs> By the way, you East Coasters, it is Nevada. Nevada. Not Nevada. Get it? Got it? All right. Understand? All right. Don't hey, I'll tell you right now. Y'all think it's y'all think it's not that big of a deal? Huh. <laughs> Ask George Bush. And I mean the last one, the last one was president because he came to Vegas in 2004, right? Was that was when he running for re-election? I think so. I don't remember. Anyway, he was running for a second term. He went down to Vegas and he said Nevada and they booed him. They didn't cheer him until he said Nevada correctly. So if Nevadans will boo a president, a sitting president, let alone, yeah, you can pretty much guess we get pissed when regular people do it. So anyways, it's Nevada. Anyways, that really went off on a tangent. I apologize. That's all right. <laughs> I almost wanted that Larry the Cable Guy part. Uh, oh, Lord, I apologize. for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My number one is, um, again, it was like your number eight is up on the housetop. Um, I think, was that right? Your number eight? I believe it was my number eight. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, anyways, up on the housetop. I mean, it's been a song that I've done, did for years in. Uh, music grade school music class it's just one of those songs and this is one of the songs where after time it also you can find it on cd well yeah so um it was like it was like it was like one of those you know children christmas songs that just kind of went away and i was like wait wait where'd it go well yeah where the heck did it go you know it's like well, excuse me and so now having record players and stuff again you know i'm able to listen to the versions i have of it um, and I think I did finally find a CD of it. I think I don't remember, but let's get on. And that was my number one. And Kimberly, what is your number one and why? Okay. My number one is actually a song that is not only found in hymn books, but it's also found in caroling books and it is silent night. And the reason that, Silent Night is my favorite song is not only does it go over the reason for the season, but also the unique history behind this song, which it was actually released back in the 1800s. And it was written for, by a person that this particular church, their organ was not working at the time. And so he, this pastor of this church needed a song for his congregation to sing at their Christmas Eve mass. And so he had approached this other person and he put the lyrics and stuff together with it. And we'll go ahead at this point and we'll give you a little more history on it. And and what this history will do is it will give it will go back over exactly what the original was and also when the exact date it was actually released and written and what actually the whole the whole I should say the whole story behind this song cuz not only is it sung in English, but there are some times that you can find sheet music that has the original German language on it, because it can be sung in German, too. Which, if you come across that type of that uh, sheet music with the English and German version on it, it is really cool to hear somebody sing it in German. Because it's just, it's a pretty song. I mean, it's just so, it's one of those songs that not only is it pretty, but it also, again, it kind of, it sets the mood for Christmas. 
is what it does. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and read this off of uh, the um, Southern Nazarene University website, and I'm not. I mean, it's just somebody called H Colbert at snu.edu. I'm not getting any person. Anyways, uh, pretty much the story behind the classic Christmas Carol, Silent Night, and this person and, and their uh, spouse were serving as missionaries in Europe uh, when they visit visited the small Silent Night Chapel near Salzburg, Austria. An older church building not far away, which was destroyed by floods in the 1890s, was actual birthplace of Silent Night. Here's the story how the, the most famous of the Christmas carols came to be written. In 1818, a roving band of actors was performing in towns throughout the Austrian Alps. On December 23rd, they arrived at Oberndorf, a village near Salzburg, where they were to reenact the story of Christ's birth in the small church of St. Nicholas. Unfortunately, the St. Nicholas's church organ wasn't working and would not be repaired before Christmas. Some versions of the story point to mice as the problem. Others say rust was the culprit. Because the church organ was out of commission, the actress presented their Christmas drama in a private home. That Christmas presentation of the events in the first chapters of Matthew and Luke put assistant pastor Joseph Moore in a meditative mood. Instead of walking straight to his house that night, Moore took a longer way home. The longer path took him up over a hill overlooking the village. From that hilltop, Moore looked down on the peaceful snow-covered village, revealing in reveling in majestic silence of the wintry wind. Moore gazed down at the Christmas card-like scene. His thoughts about the Christmas play he had just seen made him remember a poem he had written a couple of years before. That poem was about the night when angels announced the birth of the long-awaited Messiah to shepherds on a hillside. Moore decided that those words might make a good carol for his congregation the following evening at their Christmas Eve service. The one problem was that he didn't have any music to which the poem could be sung. So the next day, Moore went to see the church organist, Frank Gerber, Gerber, or Gruber, sorry, Gruber, only had a few hours to come up with a, with a metal melody which could be sung with a guitar. However, by that evening, evening Gruber, Gerber, Gruber, gosh, I keep messing it up, had managed to compose a musical setting for the poem. It no longer mattered to Moore and Gruber that their church organ was inoperable. They now had a Christmas carol that could be sung without the organ. On Christmas Eve, the little Orbendorf congregation heard Gruber and Moore sing their new composition to the accompaniment of Gruber's guitar. Weeks later, well-known organ builder Carl Maratcher arrived in Orben, Orber, Orben, Orber, oh my gosh, anyways, to fix the organ in St. Nicholas's church. When Maratcher finished, he stepped back to let Gruber test the instrument. When Gruber sat down, his fingers began playing the simple melody he had written for Moore's Christmas poem. Deeply impressed, Maratcher took copies of the music and words of Silent Night back to his own Alpine village, Catfine, there, two well-known families of seniors, the Rainiers and the Strassers, heard it, captivated by the Silent Night. Both groups put the song into their Christmas season repertoire. The Strasser sisters spread the carol across northern Europe. In 1834, they performed Silent Night for King Frederick William IV of, per of per Persia. He then ordered his cathedral choir to sing it every Christmas Eve. Twenty years after Silent Night was, after Silent Night was written. The Rainiers brought the song to the United States, singing it, it in German of New York City's Trinity Church. In 1863, nearly 50 years after being first sung in German, Silent Night was translated into English by either Jane, Jane Campbell or John Young. Eight years later, the English version made its way into print in Charles Hutchinson's Sunday School Hymnal. Today, the words of Silent Night are sung around the world in more than 300 different languages. And again, that is on the website of Southern Nazarene University. So what do you think of that? That 
that is a that's awesome history for that song. Yeah. I I had known that it was because the organ was down, but just to hear exactly that it came from a poem that the assistant pastor wrote, that was it's yeah, amazing. That's, I mean, yeah, right. I mean, that's that's a cool story. It is. Um yeah, I, I really I mean, I know I struggled at, at some of the names and you know, that's just because you know, they're foreign names or you know, sometimes they're there's they're said differently than what, what they are, but you know. Anyway, so that was our top 10. Were or are any of these your favorites? What is your top 10 list? Let us know via our social media platforms. Also, real quick, I want to do one more last final station break. Next week, we expect to get back to the... uh, PMRC. Right, the Senate hearing. However, if something comes about where we're able to get this interview done uh with someone who actually just attended something really cool in our old our old hometown of battle mountain nevada we will provide that interview instead of doing uh continuing with the the senate hearing which then we would continue the next following week so you might get a two-week break or not it all just depends on if we can uh get this interview recorded um sometime this coming weekend Okay. You got anything else? No, I do not at this time. Get out of the station break. Back to our regularly scheduled program. In closing, we would like to thank you all for downloading this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please click the subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be notified when a new episode becomes available. Another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review. It will help new listeners find this show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to. Also, you, our listeners, can share this show on your own media, social media accounts to help spread the word about this pet podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again. To all of our current and long-time listeners. Used and Abused can be found on the following social media platforms. Twitter at Used Abused Pod. Facebook at Used Abused Pod. Tumblr, Used Abused Pod. Instagram, Used and Abused Pod. Again, and is spelled out A-N-D. YouTube, Used and Abused Pod. Email, Used and Abused Pod at gmail.com. Again, and is spelled out A-N-D. As always, all social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode, so you can always click on those links as well. We can be found on the following podcast apps and directories. Anchor. iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music. Google Podcasts. Pocket Casts. Overcast. Breaker. CastBox. Radio Public. Spotify. TuneIn. And Stitcher. Please rate and review Use and Views and Music Podcast. Until next episode, have a great weekend and a great work week. Be kind to everyone and and keep keep the music playing. playing.